This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Great day for talk radio. Not a great day for Harvey Weinstein. Uh, He was found guilty of rape in the third degree and uh, a criminal sexual act committed in the first degree. Now, what's interesting is Weinstein actually uh, had a more serious uh, rap against him, but he was not found guilty of predatory sexual assault, which could have sent him to prison for life. Let's get Lawrence Ben-Eliezer in here, Toronto criminal lawyer, to unpack it all for us on uh, a legal basis. Lawrence, is always a pleasure. Good afternoon. It's always my pleasure, John. So let me try to understand. Uh, one of the explanations given here is because uh, he was convicted of rape in the third degree which means that the jury recognized the sexual encounter was non-consensual, even if they didn't believe the victim was being physically or verbally threatened. That sounds almost paradoxical. Can you explain that? Yes, John. There are lots and lots of non-consensual sexual encounters that do not involve any physical threat uh, of any kind um, or physical harm of any kind. Remember that the, the legal definition of sexual assault is the application of force by one person to another without consent for a sexual purpose. That can be anything from a kiss to full-on intercourse. There doesn't need to be any threat of violence involved. And uh, the jury clearly found that there was, at the very least, reasonable doubt on the two more serious counts that Mr. Weinstein faced. Oh, I see. Okay. So uh, while there was no application of force, she still uh, might have, in this case, uh, not consented. So she wasn't physically threatened or verbally threatened, uh, but it was still non-consensual. I got you. Just wanted to know. It seems like uh, I couldn't parse the two. Yeah, no, there was application of force. That's the definition of an assault, is the application of force without consent. But there doesn't have to be any threat accompanying it. So um, to use a very crude example, it's either um, uh, you have sex with me or I'll, I'll, I'll kill you. Right. That would be a threat. But you don't need the threat to have non-consensual sex. It just, it just has to be an absence of consent. All right. Uh, on the more serious charge, we're told because it would lead to uh, life imprisonment automatically, the predatory sexual assault case, uh, which I understand there were some uh, several women who actually testified in that regard to establish a pattern. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, what I make of it, John, is that um, similar act evidence is what it's called here in Canada, is a very tricky proposition. Basically, what the prosecution or the Crown in in Canadian uh, terms tries to do is to say, well, this is how he's behaved in other incidents, whether he's been charged or not. So therefore, the jury must find or should find beyond a reasonable doubt that he did so in this case. And the Crown normally has to jump through a whole bunch of hoops in order to convince the judge to allow this kind of evidence to come in, whether it's a judge-alone trial or a jury trial, because it is improper to simply say, well, he behaved that way before, therefore he must behave this way again. Um, He must have behaved this way again. That kind of evidence should not be put to improper use. Its its probative value must outweigh its prejudicial effect, and I guess in this case the judge found that it did. I had a lot of trouble with it, but uh, so it goes in these types of charges. Well, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you because, I mean, it sounds to me like uh, certainly there becomes a preponderance of uh, witnesses or testimony here that influences a case. Uh, That's what, I guess, uh, prosecutors seek to establish. 
by the same. Sure, but sorry, you go ahead. Numbers this time. of witnesses on one side. Just because there's a greater number of witnesses on one side than the other doesn't mean that that side should win. These types of cases, John, particularly when they involve celebrity defendants and celebrity accusers, are called with the dignity and tact of an Aussie rules football game. <laughs> it, it's like it, it is absolutely disgusting the way that these things are commented on as if it's a sporting event. It is not a sporting event. It is a very, very serious exercise in which members of the community stand in judgment of one of their own on very serious criminal charges. And the insistence on calling these accusers heroes is absurd. A hero is a doctor or a nurse or a medical person who goes in to treat someone in, in, for infectious diseases in a war zone. That's heroism. That's bravery. Not going to the cops. Whoever's been sexually assaulted should go to the police immediately, report the sexual assault, and let the system uh, 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 pursue its course. But to call these people heroes and to treat it the way it's been treated is a real shot at the dignity of the process. And as a lawyer of 30-plus years' experience, I find it really disturbing. Again, with Lawrence Ben-Eliezer, Toronto criminal lawyer, and yet uh, one could easily see that they're being painted, these women who are coming forth, because it's not always easy to do, as we've known historically. Uh, they get cross-examined, and uh, some of their stories are shredded. They're uh, embarrassed, humiliated at worst. There's something uh, courageous about that, isn't there? If they're not telling the truth, they should be shredded and embarrassed and charged for public mischief, prosecuted, and if convicted, sent to jail. The accused, Mr. Weinstein, no matter how disturbing and criminal his conduct may well have been, is presumed innocent. And that presumption has to be respected. And if somebody comes forward and says, look, I was sexually abused by Mr. Weinstein, or somebody who's a complete unknown, they deserve to be treated with dignity. I agree. The complainant deserves that, but so does the accused. And I am absolutely at my wit's end at the terms in which complainants are described versus the terms in which accused are described. And, and this, is, this has to stop well, because was, people are getting sent to jail. No, I understand, and this is something that I was kind of curious about because much of this has already been adjudicated in the court of public opinion, and when you've got the confluence, or I guess because of a result of the Me Too movement, which it's been said that this was being uh, viewed, this particular case, as sort of a, a landmark ruling or a watershed moment for the Me Too movement, in some ways is that not prejudicial? Of course it's, it's prejudicial. It, the, the Me Too movement is so dangerous and it's so absurd. I'll, I'll bet you a cup of coffee, John, that if someone close to a member of the Me Too movement was charged with sexual assault, that person, that member of the Me Too movement would insist on procedural fairness and respect for process. They wouldn't be yipping in front of microphones about how disgusting the accused is. That's not how it works. We have a system of laws. We have the rule of law. We have procedural safeguards in place to make sure that as part of a liberal and democratic society, we only deprive someone of their liberty after the evidence against them is proved to be reliable beyond a reasonable doubt, not because of the court of public opinion. 
well, all right, now that this genie is out of the bottle, uh, for better or for worse. Absolutely. And Mr. Weinstein is going to be sentenced. They yanked his bail. The judge pulled his bail. And I cannot help but wonder if Mr. Weinstein were not a celebrity, would his bail have been pulled? He's no longer presumed innocent. I agree. But where's the evidence of a risk of flight? What, because he futzed around a little bit with his ankle monitor? Come on now. And next week, they're going to be filing for bail pending appeal. Hopefully, that process will be fair. I assume that it will be. I assume that whoever judges whether he should get bail pending appeal will consider the matter fairly in accordance with established legal principles. Well, you know, that raises a whole other question of whether or not, when it comes to celebrity justice, uh, is there a need for some kind of theatrics beyond process to be seen? You know, the person doing the perp walk, or uh, I guess in the case of uh, Trump's buddy there, Roger Stone, where, you know, they they did the pre-dawn raid with uh, submachine guns drawn. There were like, uh, I don't know how many ETA uh, operatives or FBI were in there. Uh, Yeah. But is that coming now more and more the norm that uh, this is what's happening with celebrity justice? Of course, we're in a reality show, John. You know, the, the, this, that pre-dawn raid, because, of course, everyone knows Roger Stone was such a threat to, of violence, and there was a threat of the destruction of evidence that ETF and FBI had to go in with guns drawn and bulletproof vests at 5 in the morning or whatever it was. It's absurd. And what, what is at least as disturbing to me as counsel and as a member of this society is how easily so many people accept it as, yes, let's do it. That's not the way to do it. It is not. We are we are tearing away at the fabric of our democracy, and it's not going to withstand much more pressure. It, it's it's fragile as it is. We fought long and hard to establish this system that's fair, and that ensures that we can have confidence that if someone goes to jail, it's the right result, not because of bloodthirsty, mouth-breathing public criticism. That's not how it works. It's an intellectual exercise based on principle and rules and evidence. And we should all insist that that continue. All we right. have to. Uh, duly noted, although I guess I'd have to say uh, it's not as though Harvey Weinstein represents a very sympathetic figure still. Uh, he is, uh, I guess, owed the, uh, the process and the uh, full extent of the law. The sentencing, by the way, is March 11th, and uh, he still yeah. has L.A. charges to deal with. I mean, he's yeah. that's a double whammy. He's going to go away for a long time. Oh, yeah. But it is our tolerance of the worst among us that defines us. It is oh. our treatment of the worst among us that defines us. All right. I, I wrote that down, so no need to repeat it. I got your point. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, going to be on a fridge magnet later on tonight. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for your time and explanations, as always. It's always a pleasure, John. Lawrence Ben Eliezer, Toronto criminal lawyer. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.